Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Well, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi everyone, I'm Kama, and you can find me at the hyphen, real hyphen, Kama Splice on Tumblr, and I am joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky, I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. And Guile. Hey, I'm Guile, and I tweet at Door Podcast. All right, so if you're new to the podcast, or we will be spoiling everything show and books, um... There's some talk here about rape, and there's some gross torture stuff, um, and so it's a trigger warning if those are sensitive. Um, and today we'll be talking about Aria Five from A Storm of Swords. Um, so there's not a. This is a short little chapter. Um, we Aria Hot Pie Gendry, along with the um, I always abbreviate them as the BWB. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> without banners arrive at Stony Sept um, which we learn was once the scene to a battle uh, between Ned and John Connington and their forces during Robert's, Rebe- Robert's Rebellion um, and it's clear to Arya that the town has seen some recent action as well um, Arya notices men who we learn are technically allied with Rob Inside some of crow cages, which I didn't bother to look up. I probably should have. Um, and it's by the order of somebody called the Mad Huntsman, who is also a member of the um, the BWB. Um, it sounds really awful. They've been in there. Some of them are, like, their eyes have been pecked out. They're starving. There's one guy who has evidently been castrated in quite a brutal way. Um, there's somebody who's crying out for water. Um, we learned though from the townspeople that, um, these guys were raping and murdering and that this is their punishment. Um, and I can never say his name. Is it Ang- Angie? Angway? I always is call it Angi. Angi, I think is what they said in the show. Um, I think he's the one who asks like, well, why didn't you just hang them? And I guess, you know, it, it sounds like the townspeople have been through an awful lot themselves. And this is sort of what happens when you've been through all this stuff. You start losing sight of, I guess. Your humanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Aria, just, and I love that she does this. I mean, she's horrified that they're Rob's men, especially after first because they're Rob's men. And then because she hears what they've been accused of, but she stops to give the one guy water despite the objections of the people in the town. Um, and she's helped in this by um, Lem and Angai. <laughs> um, and then Angai kills the men, like just puts them out of their misery. Uh, we hear some discussion. Which is, this is a good moment. I mean, like, you know, this is just a, hey, we we don't have to be monsters moment. Yeah. Which is needed. Yeah. Um. There's some discussion going on that she's overhearing that basically everyone's out there looking for Jamie. 
Um, and we hear there's later on in the chapter, we learn that um, there's some rumors as to exactly what went down to make Kat let Jamie go. Um, That's so much our favorite rumor. We'll, you we'll mention that here. Um, later on, she learns that um, there's this whole thing about how like, it, I don't think Brienne is named, but it's basically that Catelyn and Brienne, for love of Jamie, let him go or something. Like well, I think it's they had a three-way, and then yeah. let him go. Well, it's like they went to his cell one night, and in the morning they let him go. <laughs> and actually, didn't um, I want to say Ash wrote a fic about this or something? I think so. If yeah. You, if those, you know, listeners, if you go back to the last version of Cat's last chapter in um, A Clash of Kings, our um, our recording of it actually um, includes Ash's uh, chapter. <laughs> there we go. Or her fic, rather, at the end of at the end of the chapter, so you can hear it read dramatically. <laughs> I mean, this this is almost a canonical three way. Yeah, I mean, it's as canonical as it could be without actually having it. <laughs> um, she also learns, I don't know if she, cla- she doesn't really, like, there's stuff here that, like, Edmure is being referred to as Lord because Hoster Tully is either dead or dying. Um, and that's her grandfather and her uncle. Um, it, there's no reaction from her to that, but, you know, later on she kind of wonders, like, how close Stony set stepped Stony Sept is to River Run, and I looked it up, and it's a lot farther away than you know she probably realizes. So before I get into the second half of this, which is where they end up at the Peach, does anyone have any comments or anything here? Or? So just I, I, I love that? these moments where Arya shows so much humanity. You know, like she doesn't like to see people suffer, and it's like a weird thing. And I don't know if it was the show or what, but where people started, you know, acting like Arya was a psychopath or something. And it's just like she so clearly isn't. You know, like she doesn't like to see people suffering unnecessarily. Yeah. Also, I have to say that this Huntsman character completely like it's like I have never read about him or never. It never punctured my consciousness and <laughs> I, I had like, to look him up. I was like, wait, who the hell is this? Like, is this Chris Hemsworth that mo- like the Chris Hemsworth movie guy? Like, what is happening? <laughs> okay, so the second half of this is quite entertaining. Um, they they pull up to what looks like an inn called the Peach, uh, which which Gendry gets some attention right away. There's a an inordinate number of uh, women to men ratio going on here. And um, eventually Arya is like, tells Gendry, I think we're in a brothel. And he's like, well, how would you know? <laughs> it's quite cute. There's a lot in here. If you're an Arya Gendry shipper, this, this is good chapter. Um, oh yeah. They love this chapter. They, uh, so, we have a lengthy question about the Arya Gendry part of this, um, but we can, you know, cute, uh, Kick it over to me when you when you're ready for okay. that. So basically, um, they all get taken care of. It's like immediately they get free accommodation. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I feel like you have to clarify what you mean by taking. Okay, care the part. Of oh wait, uh, this is going to be like that other chapter with all the sexual puns um, that's coming up. So evidently, they don't have to pay at the peach. 
um, they're welcome because they're part of the Brotherhood Without Banners. And they're all given baths and food. Um, Arya, to her chagrin, gets put in a dress again. And she's, A, not happy because she's had a bath, like, within, like, two baths within really recent memory. But they don't care. They put her in a dress. Um, at supper, they fig- Arya figures out pretty quickly where they're in a brothel. Um, and they meet Bella, who it sounds like she's one of Robert's bastards. Um, and then Bella would oh, like... Oh, yeah. To- For sure she is. She looks just like um Her mother was one of Robert's favorites. And and Arya's like, well, you know, yeah, she's got the dark hair and blue eyes, but so does Gendry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's really common. It could be anyone. Um, And then Bella would really... There's a lot in here. Gendry could probably, you know make a lot of people happy <laughs> and he just keeps refusing and Bella would really like to be more friendly with Gendry and he refuses and I think thus escapes incest um and then I don't know we'll pause here maybe and we could have that other question or yeah, the comment. we have a couple of questions um so Buck O'Hare from the discord says um I love how the heroism of Robert's rebellion is contrasted by the reality of the famine and suffering of the war of five kings not so keen on the squicky incest and then is the huntsman an example of how po- how the politics of Westeros might shift or a forgotten dead end in George's writing I mean, I, I think, like, you know, in the Robert's Rebellion, like, you know, the Battle of the Bells and, like, all of that, like, I do think that's written, like, very romantically. And then, you know, Robert, the, oh, Robert was just here at the Peach, you know, screwing around with everyone, having a great time, like, maybe having some kids, maybe not. No one seems to care. Like, yeah, I mean, Robert's just, like, the good times guy, even in war. <laughs> like, Robert's war seems like, jolly fun um and you know this this not so much yeah but i mean you know i think there's also an element of would we be in this position without robert having been robert and that is also a question um you know robert's rebellion is so justified because it's so unjustified the way that eris goes after him and ned and everything you know like all of that is is total garbage but then you know, it's like all of these revolutions that that we're dealing with in these books. It's like, okay, but then what's the next? Okay, you do the overthrow, you get rid of the bad system, and then what do you end up with? You just end up with a new bad system. There's <laughs> never that's what yeah. Robert was. It's all about. There's never a, a, what happens next. It's always, you know, and everyone gets swept up in it. It's not just them having a throwdown. Like it's not yeah. just Ned and John Connington fighting, because that would be one thing. No, it's you know what happens when all of their forces come to town and start fighting. And then everyone goes off for some little light recreation where they, you know, attack and rape and murder. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honest, as far as the huntsman goes, I I mean, I just feel like it seems like a very much forgotten dead end in George's writing. Well, because he's got this great name. It sounds like he, his origin story is pretty cool. Like it, we we hear that his uh, was it his wife and sister were like um, like raped and murdered or something. I mean, like okay, this sounds like somebody cool and interesting. And then I don't think this goes very far. No, because I looked him up and I was like, it sounds like he might show up again a little bit, but that's about it. <laughs> 
Um, and like, I think I, he does show up again. I can't remember. Oh God, who can who can keep track of all yeah. these guys? Honestly, yeah, it does feel like though he kind of gets a good intro, good not good, but like big and noteworthy intro, and it's like maybe George did intend to do something else with him, and we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Well, it's um, like you need the Huntsman when you have, um, you know, the BWB. Yeah, like, we need another guy. Well, like, he's part of the BWB. He's part of the BWB. Yeah, it just feels yeah. like he he's was meant to be long, a bigger character than he got to yeah. be. I, yeah, I mean, I, like that, three, that may be. Well, and I, wonder does if, was. I mean, I wonder if, well, no, because he was already foreshadowing Lady Stoneheart at this point. So I was wondering, like, oh, when he went Stoneheart, did, you know, this was going to be the next big guy. But he had already, I mean, he had been fore, foreshadowing Stoneheart since, I mean, I think a Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know. He was he clearly he probably meant to do something with him. I don't know why include what his little origin story is here if he didn't inc- intend to do something else with him. Maybe he was going to factor into what got lost in the 5 year, you know. Yeah. Been a over, like from a draft that he just sort of forgot about. It wouldn't be the first uh, time. Yeah. Couldn't. No. Um so we have a pretty long a uh, pretty long email from Rachel uh, about Arya and Gendry. So if you're if you're ready for that, hang on. Um, okay. So by the time you get this, you would have already recorded Arya for. So apologies if you've already touched on this. Um, but I noticed on the reread that Jamie and Brienne's sword fight chapter was the one before the Arya and Gendry Russell tickle fight. Jamie and Brienne's fight was highly sexualized. I think that may have been mentioned once or twice on this podcast. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Arya and Gendry's fight wasn't very sexualized. Thank God. Even George draws the line at 10-year-olds. But their fight was romanticized, highly so, with a forced last love song being sung in the background. To be honest, I thought it was quite on the nose for George, but I don't care because it was sweet. Okay, so Jamie and Brienne's fight was serious, where Arya and Gendry were play-fighting. But still, the fact that the chapters were next to each other got me thinking about both ships and the parallels between them. Both pairs have a traumatic trip across the Riverlands. Both pairs were imprisoned at Harrenhal. Both pairs had a third wheel. This one may be a stretch because Jamie hates Cleos and Brienne was indifferent. <laughs> where Arya and Gendry actually like hot pie, especially Arya. Both ended up at the same inn. Both pairs have an age difference. Both relationships are combative in nature. Arya and Brienne both usually dress in masculine attire, but have the, the moment with Jamie and Gendry while in a dress. Um, a nice oak tree, though, and th- blue is a good color on you, my lady. It goes well with your eyes. Although this is a very common romance trope, trope to be fair. Both were captured by the Brotherhood at some point, although they never wanted Ar- to harm Arya and Gendry, whereas they wanted to kill Jamie and tried to kill Brienne. Arya and- Brienne and Arya have parallels to each other a bit. On their own, both are female warriors and highly unconventional in, in their society, even though they're very different in other ways. And, of course, Catelyn is Arya's mother, and Brienne never knew her mother, although she didn't spend enough time with Cat to see her as a mother. She certainly cared for Cat a lot, and she was an older woman she admired. Do you guys think that George intentionally made parallels between Jamie and Brienne and Arya and Gendry, or is it just a combo of tropes that George likes and me going insane in the 50-year hiatus? I know I've already wrote more on this email than George does when writing about food, but I just wanted to add <laughs> you guys for almost as long as I've been in the fandom. So you've been an integral part of my Song of Ice and 
fire experience and enjoyment. So keep up the good work. And maybe by the time you've got to the 68th Tyrion chapter in A Dance of Dragons, the winds of winter will have a release date. Many thanks, Rachel. We alcoholics by the time we get to that point. Oh, God. I mean, um, great email, first of all. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's, I mean, she even missed like another parallel, which is like the generational thing where, you know, Arya and um, Gendry are like, you know, the descendants respectively of Robert and Liana. Or not yeah. Yeah. relatives. They're, they're kind of like the replay. Right. And then Liana yeah. and Robert. Jamie and yeah. with Duncan um Rohan. Like they uh, they also have that too. I mean, I think I, I definitely think George intentionally does some of these parallel things, like the way that he put those fights next to each other. Yes, that's absolutely intentional because mm-hmm. You don't really misread what's happening between Arya and Gendry. Actually, let me rephrase that. There are people who do. But, um, you know, it's much less likely to happen than than with Jamie and Brienne. Um, You know, yeah, he does things like that intentionally. I think, though, he really does just have some kind of relationship tropes that he just keeps accidentally coming back to because he likes them. I I kind of suspect that. Well, yeah. And, I mean, I love that. Like, the, oh, now we're fighting. Now we're kissing. Like, (laughs) I like that trope too. Yeah. Obviously, we love it. Look at where we are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're like the, you know, of all the things we could ever say about Jamie and Brynn, like adorable would never be a way we describe them. They're like no. the adorable version at this point. Yeah. And, you know, like, yes, the age difference is problematic i think george didn't understand i think george thinks of them as like a 10 year old and a 12 year old in a way i think he just doesn't think of it yeah. the right way i don't know but i mean there's no question that Arya and gendry are supposed to be a future ship like they're written 100 that way there are very big like Anne and gilbert vibes between the two of oh, them god <laughs> in 10 years the age gap is not as significant that's the thing also again yeah. i've said this repeatedly throughout our various podcast episodes, this man does not have a real good grasp of, of like what age, like certain behaviors are common at or, or what, like what a 12 year old is actually like. I mean, these are, this is, this is a middle-aged older, older middle-aged man writing this stuff. And it shows that he has no children. Yes. Yes. But I think like, you know, what Aria's, I keep saying this every every time we have these chapters. I'm like, how old are these kids now? But I mean, in ten years, she's like, like what we would consider a much more adult or closer to a being an adult character, and it wouldn't be as a significant gap. But yeah, I, yeah, there's there's definitely a point where this age gap becomes meaningless. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that's clearly where it's headed. And like anybody who doesn't understand that Arya and Gendry are are written to be a future romance, just like I'm sorry about your reading comprehension, <laughs> but that's what it is. Yeah, and I mean, just you know, like George loves Arya, and you know, Gendry's like with all the shit Arya's been through and is gonna go through, like you know, Gendry's a pretty safe home for her eventually. Like, yeah. Yeah, and they make sense. They kind of get each other, you know? Like, I think they, the two of them just kind of instinctively understand one another, which I appreciate in any eventual relationship, you know? When people don't have to, like, explain themselves all the time. Like, you know, he, yeah. he understands what's weird about her, and she understands what's weird about him. 
yeah. they don't let each other get away with stuff, which I kind of love. Yeah, yeah. And they respect each other as much as, you know, kids their age have a concept of respect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great question. Um, we're almost Excellent done. Email. Want more of those. That's great. Yeah, that was great. There's just, there's not much left. Um, Aria, everyone is, is, is uh, getting friendly with each other. And she thinks this would be a great time for her to go steal a horse and escape, but she wouldn't get very far. Um, and she overhears, this is where she overhears the business about um, the the trio we never got, the cat, Jamie, Brienne, love triangle. Um, the threesome. There is a gross scene. Well, there's a gross bit with this old man who's interested in her. Um, but Gendry kind of gets it, you know, intervenes and saves her from that. Thank God. Um, they're, they're all put together in like one room and they're sleeping. And she um, she says her list. And she has a wolf dream. And it sounds like the pack is out there and they're big. Um and in the morning, the mad huntsman has returned with someone, and there's conjecture it's Jamie, but it's not Jamie. It's someone Arya knows, and it sort of ends on a cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. Who can it be? So, I yeah. love, though, that she's, like, reciting her list the night before, and then who do they walk yeah. in with but well, Sander? Flips the order, you know, just like... Yeah, right. yeah. So she'll remember it better, you know? So it's not just like, like she's really remembering it. She's not just reciting it. Like it still, you know, means something. Yeah. Um, we do have one more question from barbecue on Reddit who says, um, if Arya went on her journey with the hound, just like in the show, do you think she would have fared better? And then also it seems like two hearts that beat as one has a connection to Arya since this was also performed during Ramsey's wedding, the fake Arya. You think there's any significance there? Oh, is that true? Says, um, thanks, thanks, Wiki, for this info. So, yeah, sounds oh, like. Oh, I didn't even know that. Ugh, gross, George. I just always think of the U2 song, like, Two Hearts Beat as One. Oh, God, I haven't thought of that song in decades. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I mean, Aria does go, I guess, you know, it's Aria does. I guess, like, I'm conf- I'm a little bit confused by the first question because I feel like the show Arya, her journey with the Hound is, like, isn't it the same as it is at, to this point as it was in yeah, the show? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the big changes were now in retrospect. Uh, I, I think I remember it feeling roughly the same. Yeah. It's, I think, to a point, right? And then they go- start going... I don't. I mean, I don't. Other than Brienne being a part of it, I don't think it's yeah. that different. I do. But, I don't remember. I, I remember something about. I think there's something different about the way she leaves him that I preferred yeah. in the books, but I honestly can't remember. I get. I you know, like I have done apparently an amazing job of blocking out gobs of Game of Thrones yeah. content from my brain, and I honestly can't remember what happened in the show, but I, yeah, I, I don't remember it being massively yeah, different. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. But, you know, it seems like on the show, Arya had a better option, presumably, if she had just, like, gone with Brienne. But in the book, mm. she didn't have any better option. Like, right. going to Bravos was seemingly her, you know, her best option. 
I feel like there's something about the way she couldn't bring herself to give him mercy in the books, but I don't, I don't, God, we'll find out. We're yeah. getting there. And then okay. the, the song, that is, I mean, I don't know, it, it's like, maybe the, I don't know if there's significance to the song. I think just, it's probably just like a, I mean, I guess I would interpret it as like a clever writing from George. Like, oh, I'm going to use the song that Aria heard for fake Aria. Yeah. But it's bad, yeah. clever. Yeah. Bad, George. Bad, clever. Don't yeah. Lie. I mean, one thing here, you know, one thing I think we should mention in the sake of, you know, our podcast is, like, the romanticized version of the brothel here where, you know, oh, the good guys get it for free and all the, and all the sex oh, happy and jolly. You know, like, I think yeah. it needs to be said that that's, in, like... In defense bad. of the whole portrayal of, like, all the, like, I get, like, why, you, if you were a sex worker and you had a choice, you would probably much rather be with the young, hot guy than some gross old man. I get that. Right. But the whole, they don't, they don't pay. That is such a male They don't charge. Thing. Yeah, right. that does right. not uh, ring true. I mean, discount or, you know, maybe they get the bats for free or whatever. Sure. But the rest of it, I'm like, men just have to stop with this idea. I mean, like. Men need to understand that porn isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. To begin with, and then move on from there. Okay. Is that it for our mail? Give me one minute to check. Yes, we are the best prepared A Song of Ice and Fire podcast. My fault. We are doing our best. (laughs) Yes, there are no more questions. (laughs) Well, if you would like to send us a message or a question, you can do so at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can email us at close the door and at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at door podcast. Um, I usually send out a call for questions on the Jamie Brienne subreddit. Um, please feel free to like and review us wherever you listen, as it really helps um, uh, new people find the podcast. And lastly, uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash close the door. Thank you to all of the people who are already our Patreon supporters. I think that's it. So I'm closing the door. Get out.